0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 6th of November, 2016. Now, for the last few weeks I've been going over a lot of the data I've accumulated over my my life to show you how the world is really run by so-called non-governmental organizations that simply appoint themselves or are appointed by the big foundations that fund them and train them. And they have think tanks too set out there to direct the direction of the world. That's what it's all about. That's what progressive means. There is an end to it where they want to take it all. An end is technocracy to an extent where the elite, expert elite, have to run the world on behalf of their masters who are really the economic elite above them. You find that Julian Huxley actually mentioned it in that way, in fact. So the scientific elites would run everything on behalf of their masters. And that's what we're going through drastically today. It's strange to me to just sit back and watch all this, the greatest show in history really for a long time of, of politics. And the public have come such a long, long way so far into this morass of being ruled by faceless bureaucrats across the whole planet the United Nations and and all part of the one system one system and I've gone through it so many times I won't go over it all again but that's what runs the world and we don't elect this system it basically brought itself in and gradually until you're you're there basically they used the Fabian style of socialism uh, creeping to an extent a few paces every few years uh, and you, you don't really think much about it until you're basically you'll find that you've got a a wire fence right around you and you can't get out of it. Under your agenda twenty one, twenty thirty, etc., it's still agenda twenty one, folks. It's the twenty first century. They've got to accomplish everything in this century. That's the whole point of it. And their meetings are split up into fifteen years. That's to get all the land away from you to get the rural folk back into overcrowded cities and to have your your training completely composed of uh, bureaucrats and all their workers, their social workers, you might say, training you and directing your lives like, well, what can you say, like little apparatchiks, as, as the Soviets would have called them. We're pretty well there with all the different agencies from governments. So when I look at the, the, the greatest show on earth in politics, It's just that I see politics as a kind of quaint old-fashioned idea because that's how the elite look upon it today. The public have no idea that, and that's what all these talks have been about, to show you that every year all these associations meet annually and maybe four or five meetings each in each category per year to sign new agreements and new agreements and new agreements to make sure they're international And with every agreement You sign away sovereignty Number one of the people themselves And then of the nation That's what's already happened Very old plan On the go for a long, long time Use different names Not to frighten too many people In each each area And therefore people don't even see it coming It's, It's pretty well here Now you take This first article here It's a good one about a a documentary that's come out And I'll just rush through it a little bit in fact But it's uh, it's called Documentary Unmasked Saul Alinsky A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing Remember too that was also the, the symbol Of the Fabian Society That was set up to bring in In a crawling speed basically uh, Rather than an outright revolution Which they would lose in England for instance or in Britain, uh, the Fabian Society set itself up to bring it in under the guise of socialism. And under socialism, they could get the working classes on their sides very easily, because they, they certainly had it bad. Because these guys always come in to look at disaffected peoples, and then they use them. Everyone gets used for a future which they can never envisage, because the elites know exactly where they're taking you, and they need an army to do it. Anyway, this is about Saul Alinsky, and it says um, he lived from 1909 to 1972. The Wolf in Sheep's Clothing is a work of father and son, Team Richard and Stephen Payne, and their company, Arcadia Films. And it tells you where you can purchase it uh, on streaming video, or or you can get a disc, I guess, somewhere else. The child of poor Russian Jewish immigrant parents, Alinsky was born in 1909. Majored in archaeology at the University of Chicago, naturally Chicago, and later became a criminologist in the late 1930s when he worked as a labour organiser and focused his attention on organising communities in places like Chicago's depressed, back-of-the-ars yards neighborhoods made famous in the book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. After being mentored by the labour leader John L. Lewis, Alinsky founded the Industrial Areas Foundation. You can understand it's all to do with what's called organising, Look for people who have got real genuine beefs and swing them over to back you. Then you all the different ones with beefs, regardless of the organisation, on your site, and, and then you, the network. In other words, when, when you go to protest your particular beef, uh, the rest of them join in with you from other areas, from different beefs. So that's how they get numbers, and that was a big idea between, between networking uh, communities. MSS was trained to community organisers around the country, aided by the liberal millionaire Marshall Field III looking at him. Alinsky expanded his mission of inspiring and organising poor urban communities across America. And uh, his 1946 book became a bestseller, perhaps even better known as his second book, Rules for Radicals, which contained an acknowledgement to Lucifer, who at least won his own kingdom. During the 1960s, Zelensky set up institutes to train other organisers and his reputation as an activist grew. Remember, this is another thing you have to understand. The organisations I've been talking about for weeks now, and for a long, long time, maybe years, that run the worlds, run every side of everything that you think is reality. And they run the communist reality, uh, the liberal, socialist reality, Fabian reality, they run it all, folks. Because through, again, this technique of opposites, running all opposites, you get change. And then you plan the changes, but first you must get conflict. And it says here, um, in 1969, college student Hillary Clinton uh, chose his work as a topic for a Wellesley College thesis. Clinton described Alinsky as that rare specimen, the successful radical. It's amazing how unaware people are of these realities that played such a major social role in the society in capturing the word liberal and then the term progressivist. Richard Payne, who wrote the film, uh, son Stephen directed, told CNS News uh, in order for people to not realise what was underneath. And then they peeled back the onion. Now, here's interesting, too. Alinsky never admitted to being a communist, Richard says, but he never said that he wasn't a socialist. In fact, he embraced that term, and that derives from Marxist theory. In his early life, as you see in the film, he's very much taken with the social sciences, and everything, that's why all the communists and all the weird things are happening in society. They all come out of universities because the professors are strategically placed there. In every country. And it says, um, which abstract out of the reality of God to deal with with life in a secular way. Stephen adds, he himself said, treat opponents not as persons but as symbols. Now, in technocracy, that's also how you look upon different organizations or groups of people to be used as symbols. Because in technocracy, which again, is what the Council on Foreign Relations uh, adopted, Through the Rockefeller Foundation The CFR And it's a British one where That was the big daddy of them all Because Britain was already conquered then It was the Royal Institute of International Affairs And That's now turned in To the European Institute for International Affairs That runs the European Union This unelected body way above it Going back to Lord Alfred Milner and his group In the late 1800s Into the early 20th century. In the film, Alinsky, played by the actor Jim Morlino, says the following I knew plenty of communists in those days, and I worked with them on a number of projects. Things on and on and on. But anyway, I'll put this up for you to see. But what I'm showing you is that, remember, the wolf in sheep's clothing really originated from the symbol and the technique of the Fabian society, which George Bernard Shaw and H.G. Wells and others. And um, the big Astor family that funded it all for slow revolution, social rather than a bloody one, because Britain would would definitely never lose if it started a bloody revolution. It had to be done by changing the people themselves and calling it something else, of course, not communism. Uh, So it's Fabian socialism. Remember what, what too, was said by Stalin. Stalin said that... uh, Communism is just socialism in a hurry. see same same, same goal, and both of them believe communism, socialism, always believed the same complete same philosophy that humans have to be managed by professionals, all humans, doesn't matter how old you are, managed by professionals for their entire lives. And the planet all had to be committed to, so you get sustainability and so on and so. On. It's all the one very old organisation, and and it's at the top. It's run by trillionaires, trillionaires, folks. So I put this up tonight. Now I can remember years ago coming up with all the the stuff against the global warming nonsense. And putting out to the stuff that the the same organisations working for the same UN backed foundations and so on were prattling about the nineteen sixties and seventies the, the the coming ice age, then they changed to the warming when that wasn't working out, and now their warming isn't happening. It doesn't matter though they've they've got all their COP twenty twenty one and COP this and COP that on. So uh, they've already convened so many times and signed the law as though it's religion. Because it's a religion, you see. And that's how the public must be taught it, as a religion, because it's not based on facts. And that ties in with Gorbachev, remember? who came over from Russia and he was given that... Um, Ex-military base to, have to hold his foundation And to run his foundation And he said in one of his books That uh, they would bring in a new religion He says, I myself, he said I'm an atheist, but but we shall, we," He said, shall bring in For the public a new religion Which must be based on a form Of earth worship, very green That would be its surface appeal, you see And his foundation had the green cross on it Under the guise of green They would train the children to, to regard the earth as a holy thing And their place in it was minuscule And that way They could start bringing the population down to the planet And they'd have willing little You know, characters Who might uh, help The unfortunates, the excess populations uh, To kind of exit, you might say And that's where we are today With euthanasia and so on That's just the start of it there too Abortion first, then euthanasia Then you start bumping them off for all kinds of things Like headaches And uh, you wait and see You wait and see So this article says Absence of 21st century warming on Antarctic Peninsula Consistent with natural variability And it says Since the 1950s research stations In the Antarctic Peninsula Have recorded some of the largest increases In near surface air temperature in the southern hemisphere This warming has contributed to the regional retreat of glaciers, disintegration of floating ice shells, and a greening uh, through the expansion and range of various flora. Several interlinked processes have been suggested as contributing to the warming, including stratospheric ozone depletion, local sea ice loss, an increase in westerly winds, and changes in the strength and location of low-high-latitude atmospheric teleconnections. Here we use a stacked temperature record, stacked to show an absence of regional warming since the late 1990s. The annual mean temperature has decreased uh, at a statistically significant rate with the most rapid cooling during the austral summer temperatures had decreased as a consequence of greater frequency of cold east to southernly winds resulting from more cyclonic conditions in the northern Wattle Sea associated with a strengthening mid latitude jet. These circulation changes have also increased the advection of sea ice towards the east coast of the peninsula, amplifying their effect. Our findings cover only 1% of the Antarctic continent and emphasize that decadal temperature changes in this region are not primarily associated with the drivers of global temperature change, but rather reflect the extreme natural internal variability of the regional atmospheric circulation. So after all that mouthful, it comes down to just a normal variability, a natural internal variability of regional atmospheric circulation. Because it's never the same one year from the next. That's what temperature is about. Changing temperature. Changing temperature. You see? It changes. And I'll put that one up. um, And then we do this one here, which is... Top universities stole millions from taxpayers by faking global warming research. Uh, see, all these professors who are on board with all this are lining their pockets and their careers, actually, because they live on grants. And without this scam going on, they'd be, I don't know, looking for a job of sweeping the streets or something. Uh, top universities stole millions from taxpayers by faking the, the results in global warming. A global warming research centre, the London School of Natural Economics, an awfully important place, that London School of Economics. Because that, that was also set up by the Fabian Society, for those who don't know that. Got millions of dollars from UK taxpayers by taking credit for research. It didn't perform. An investigation by the Daily Mail revealed the UK government gave $11 million to the Centre for Climate Change Economics and Policy. CCEP, it's almost communistic because you look at the old names for the communist system in exchange for research that the organization reportedly never actually did. Many papers uh, CCEP claimed to have published to get government money weren't about global warming, were written before the organization was even founded <laughs> or were written by researchers unaffiliated with CCEP. The government never checked CCEP's supposed publication list, saying they were taking it on trust, according to the report. Now, why would your government be on board with that on trust? Hmm? Don't believe in coincidences, folks. You know, any more than the coincidences that all the media in the U.S. Uh, were, were fe- wanted, wanted basically to see uh, Donald Trump shot, uh, you know, back to, to the wall and shot. Uh, That wasn't coincidence either. They were all colluding together because there's no free press. As I keep saying. Something manages it all. We above them all. Anyway, it's a serious misconduct to claim credit for a paper you haven't supported and it's fraud to use that in a bid to renew a grant. Professor Richard Tall, climate economics expert from Sussex University, whose research was reportedly stolen by CCCEP, told the Daily Mail, I'd never come across anything like it before. It stinks. Of course we came up before. There isn't all fake stuff before. uh, Years ago, when all the scandals broke out with the emails back then. Researchers whose work was uh, misrepresented were furious. One professor said CCEP's actions were a clear case of fraud using deception for financial gain. Well, that's how the system runs, isn't it? And it says, um, The CCCEP tried to foster clean for a search. It never did well. attempted to get another $5.4 million of government cash. Everything's corrupt, folks. Everything's a scam, and it's corrupt. It says that money would have covered its operations until 2018. Our paper had no relationship to the CCCEP, Toll said. At the time, the CCCEP didn't exist. It only came into existence after the paper was published. Fraud means deception for financial gain. That is what this is. Well, the whole system of it is for not just financial gain, which it certainly is. It's for total control over all our lives if you go into it very, very deeply. Again, by these faceless bureaucratic technocrats. See, they couldn't get what they wanted all these years by... By all the old uh, persuasion techniques And they're even a bit behind on their indoctrination at school techniques A little bit, not much So the best way to do it was to get uh, governments to all get paid off Of course, naturally, all your politicians are easily paid off And and I'm very happy to get paid off That's their nature, of those who seek power And go along with it all uh, The whole UN agenda the crowds in the cities, bringing down population, is unsustainable. Blah blah blah, uh, down to austerity. That's all part of it too. They've actually had speeches recently about it, quite openly at United Nations about the need to enforce enforce austerity, into North America and other countries in Europe, Bec- and make e- energy so expensive. Its effects will be felt Well if you go into the, the, What they've done On their studies Into energy For, for technocracy uh, It means that The birth rate Not only drops uh, you, you find a lot of the, the death rate Amongst children Goes up As you deprive them Of their heat you know, you know And all the different Power and so on That's all part of Taking down the population For if you don't If you can't get it Well uh, There's nothing to help you Nothing at all Anyway that's one article there and then we got this one here: Caught on tape, uh, UN bans skeptical journalists from climate summit for holding views not what they called particularly helpful." Doesn't see that everything's rigged. Everything's rigged, folks. Anyway, UN official Nick Knutson uh, on why conservative media outlet is being banned. I don't see what they're actually reporting as being particularly helpful. That's what the UN told them. Even establishment and warmest CBC was having none of the UN's excuses, uh, and the CBC said to the UN, do people have to prove that they're helpful in order to be accredited journalists? So it does seem that what Mr. Levant was saying is true, that you didn't like his point of view. And it's true, so the only want, do you like or dislike? Do you believe? Do you not believe? Do you understand how it ties together how you've all been trained so easily? Hmm. So no, the, the UN has rejected the media credentials of three journalists from a conservative news outlet in Canada to the upcoming UN Climate Summit in Morocco in November. Nick Nuttall, a UN official, admitted in an October 18th CBC interview, we used to call that a communist broadcast in Canada, uh, which is pretty well what it is, that the rebel news outlet is being banned from attending the UN Summit because of the sceptical reporting of the UN's climate claims. Nuttall tried to justify the UN media ban by noting that the rebel TV host Ezra Levant has called UN-promoted climate change fears a crock. What does coin a climate change a crock? Add to the public's understanding, Nuttall asked the CBC. And um, the UN's Nuttall told the CBC, I don't see what he's actually reporting, you know, as being particularly helpful. But much to the shock of the UN official, the warmest Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC, Carol Off, was having none of it. Uh, do people have to prove that they're helpful in order to be accredited journalists? Off, who hosts As It Happens, program on CBC, asked the UN's Nuttall. A clearly flustered Nuttall responded, Well, what do you think journalism is all about, or is about? And then they went into this thing about journalism, and so on and so on. But uh, it doesn't make any difference because it's law. You see, this is all being made law as you're all sleeping away or distracted with other things. <laughs> and by God, they're awfully good at distracting you, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they really? Eh? you got to admit it. you got to hand it to them. And then you get this one here. With UN with new climate scheme. Green transformation unstoppable. And it says, if the world ever does heat up from the alleged man made global warming, the United Nations and its largely unfree member regimes seem determined to make sure you endure it with no air conditioner or refrigerator. But the latest development in the UN's green agenda is about much more than waging war on prosperity, liberty, and cooling. Technologies under the guise of saving Mother Earth, as UN leaders made clear in recent days. And I've read all these articles years ago. It's just like repeating it all to me, but they've said it all again. The so-called green transformation of the world towards centralised control and global governance is now unstoppable and irreversible, claimed the UN environmental czar after a UN summit in Rwanda last week. Did you hear about that when all this stuff was going to the stakes? No. Nope. <laughs> Close to 200 governments and dictators agreed to amend the Montreal Protocol to unleash a new jihad on important molecules used in everything from air conditioners and refrigerators to medical inhalers. Bring down in the population, eh? Contrary to the senior UN bureaucrats' grandiose and bombastic heralding of the unstoppable new order, Though uh, the UN's much-touted green transformation of the world is on shakier grounds than ever. In fact, it could all come crashing down as soon as this year if if GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump wins and follows through on his campaign promises or if the GOP-controlled Congress grows a spine and cuts off the tax funding. Don't forget the UN and the thousands of organizations have destroyed everything in order to rebuild them in its own image on behalf of its own master. And don't forget, the Royal Institute for International Affairs set up the United Nations. And it's private, an organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They, and now they also run the, the ones for the whole of Europe, the European International Affairs Organization. It's beautiful, isn't it? And, and very few folk even know that. Huh? But they'll know every actor and actress's names in the latest soaps are rubbish on TV. Anyway, it says um, It could crash around If if it goes spying Blah, blah And if uh, Donald Trump wins And follows through On his campaign promises Carbon dioxide Known to scientists As the gas of life Has been public enemy Number one At the UN Climate Conference In recent years Even though it's vital for life Establishing media organs Such as the New York Times Even parrot The ludicrous terminology Of Al Gore Al Gore again in with the technocrats and the Trilateral Commission, that's all part of the CFR, by the way, which is part of the Royal Street for National Affairs. <laughs> it's all one organization, folks. All private. And it runs all the countries and nations, uh, parliaments and governments. And then they always, like Al Gore, always make sure they give themselves the best of massive profits as they tax you to death with carbon taxes. It's beautiful, really. This gang, eh? This incredible gang. At the top of the planet now. Anyway, demonizing the wonderful molecules of carbon pollution. That, that is despite the fact, or perhaps because of it, that the beneficial gas is exhaled by every human being on the planet and it's essential to life, for all plants and so on, and it's released by literally every human activity. See, you're the enemy. Remember the article I read years ago from the other big Club of Rome think tank? They, they were given the task by the big boys at the top to find a reason, that uh, something that people would fall for, to give all their rights away so they could be managed and and their 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 numbers brought down and so on and so on, and that's looking at all the possible things from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, including all the UFO, UFOs and many, they had to come together. To if all the all the invasions from tried everything, but eventually they got more practical and said, "Well, man is destroying the environment. And therefore, man's the enemy. Man himself is the enemy." That's what they, that's what they they jumped on. You see, and you breathe out, folks, and guess what? That's a reason shortly to sterilize most of you. At the very least, I mean at the least, because these folks, from the creation of this old Soviet Union through the Bolshevik Revolution, have been slaughtering people across the planet for a long time. And they mean business, because they do see you as a symbol. They don't see you as individuals. You're, you're simply a, a collective. The wrong kind of collective, the contaminated collective. Just, that's what the Soviets, because it was run by the same folks. The Soviets said they would create a utopia, and everybody would obey government. That was that was a replacement for the deity. That was the, the, the new deity was government and science. And it was utterly stinking and corrupt at the top. By folk who lived like kings and queens. For everybody else down below, if they didn't go say anything, if they didn't believe what they were getting taught at school and so on. We're putting mental hospitals, because you had to be a mental case, not to see you're living in a paradise, a worker's paradise. And you think that's in the past? No, no. It's the same organization that's on steroids now for the whole planet, if you, don't, if you haven't figured that out. And the Soviet system, through, for its entire existence, was fed by the West at the costly UN Environment Programme UNEP United Nations again summit in Kigali, Rwanda, a place infamous internationally for genocide and mass murder, has very appropriately, facilitated by the UN and its civilian disarmament schemes. The UN and its mostly autocratic uh, member regimes took aim at a different supposed foe, hydrofluorocarbons, also known as HFCs, used in cooling and refrigeration. Under an amendment in an existing UN scheme The 1987 UN Montreal Protocol on substances that deplete the ozone layer, national governments of more prosperous nations will start phasing out HFCs within the next few years. Dictators and corrupt governments that have impoverished poorer nations will have a decade or more to start phasing out the crucial chemicals. Richer nations such as the United States will have just a few years. So we're going to do away with, with something that gives you cooling in very hot areas of, of the world. They already have folk, have I mentioned last week or the week before, folk dying in different parts of the U.S. because they can't afford air conditioning anymore. And that's again part of the technocracy of jacking up the, the prices on all energy. In Britain, of course, they have every winter it's quite natural now to have the, the, the people dying in their own homes because they, they don't have literally... Um, fuel credits they're allocated fuel credits if they're retired or whatever so it's okay for them to die you understand as as you read these articles even subconsciously it sinks in that life isn't worth a darn and, and if you do nothing about it eventually it's going to work its way around to you I'm not kidding uh, and your children if you have any Ironically, despite the name of the relevant UN regime stating that the treaty deals with ozone depleting chemicals, nobody has yet claimed that HFCs deplete the ozone layer. And like everything else, that's all rubbish science. And if it's not meant to be science, you understand it's, it's meant for the ignorant to, to be taught to believe in through indoctrination. In fact, HFCs were developed as a response to previous UN bans and other chemicals that allegedly depleted the ozone Though even that was never proven scientifically In fact, it would be impossible to destroy the ozone layer anyway, since ozone is constantly being created in the atmosphere naturally Ozone is a molecule consisting of three oxygen atoms and it's formed when ultraviolet light breaks An oxygen molecule consisting of two oxygen molecules into its component parts and one of the oxygen atoms combines with the O2 oxygen molecule to form ozone, which is O3. Put simply, so long as ocean oxygen in the atmosphere is not depleted and there's ultraviolet light, the ozone in the atmosphere will not be depleted either. But the UN's chief environmental bureaucrat explained this scheme is much bigger than just battling life-saving chemicals under the guise of supposedly controlling climate, the ozone, or anything else. It's about a fundamental transformation of the world. It's about much more than the ozone layer. And if you see, this is from Executive Director at the UNEP, Eric Solheim. It's a clear statement by all world leaders that the green transformation started in Paris is Irreversible and unstoppable. Well, you know what you do? You take out all these agreements and it's, you tear them all up, folks. You tear them all up. Because you don't vote for any of these characters or any of these organizations, and you're already, and you've been your whole life under something that is not democratic in any possible sense of the term. And they've been training you that somehow. It's supranational. It's like a God thing. That's United Nations and all its organizations. Anyway, um, I'll put this article up too. It's just disgusting to me. Disgusting. And UN Habitat 3 pushes compact cities. They just had the, the Habitat 3 when, again, all this fiasco with politics was going on. And the world repeatedly described as under the threat from innumerable challenges, including income inequality inadequate urban infrastructure, discrimination against minorities of every stripe, and climate change, participants at the UN's Habitat III conference in Quito, Ecuador, were told that comprehensive planning aimed at densely concentrating people in urban areas offered the best way forward to a sustainable future. I read this stuff years and years and years ago. Addressing the Habitat III on the conference the first day, Serge Salat, director of the Urban Morphology Lab in France said compact cities with residents living as close as possible to public transportation should be the goal of urban planners. He noted that ready access to public transportation would mean residents would no longer need cars to take them to work and recreation. This, he added, would make forward-looking cities leaders in the fight against climate change. Um, uh, Salat's panel at Habitat 3 Discussion, green solutions to climate change And other urban problems Salat, it should be noted, is an advisor To the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel On Climate Change See, it's all one big massive scam Working together And you didn't vote for any of it Then it's the about creating open spaces In wild areas and how, how to take more and more Land off the people and so on You can't go into it, etc, etc In other words, by making land off-limits for people to live and work, they will have little choice but to settle in densely populated urban areas. If parents prefer raising a family in a suburban environment, they will have to think again. Under this scheme, central planners will stack the deck in favour of compact cities. This is a new urban agenda and the world's poor. Welcome to Habitat 3's new urban agenda, UN Functionaries. Green non-governmental organisations. None of these folk you, you vote for, folks. I mean, they all work for the big foundations, which are all one big club. And their allies and national governments want to see this top-down globalised agenda imposed around the world. And it says the world's poor and the most vulnerable They're right, but what they refuse to see Is that their schemes will put the poor At even greater risk Limiting the amount of land that's available for homes Drives up the cost of housing Promoting unreliable, unaffordable renewable energy Drives up the cost of electricity In both cases, it's the poor who end up On the short end of the stick And I'll put that up Again As the, these big uh, Evil uh, the most focused, nameless, and, and, and faceless bureaucrats run your lives, and you don't elect any of them. Any of them. Also, the UN doesn't like the way you live. It's another article. I'll put that up too. It says uh, UN's Habitat 3 conference in Quito, Ecuador, are exhorted on blue and white UN colours billboards to do their best for the world's cities. And they go through the compact cities again. So back to the United Nations again. This thing that, again, is supranational. Most folk just take it like it's there, like money is there. When children see money as normal because they grew up with it, just there. So it must be normal. And apart from that, they know nothing else about it. The same with the United Nations. It's there when you're born. It must be normal. And it's somehow you don't vote it in. In fact, they don't even think that far about it. It's already... Putting itself in some sort of supranational, godlike place. And you don't vote for it, as I say. Where is it situated? In the US, of course, naturally, because the US primarily funds it all. And this is literally a, a way of taking over the planet if you haven't figured it out on behalf of an elite, a global elite. Anyway, Antonio Guterres is confirmed as the next Secretary General of the United Nations. The socialist is, is, socialist international. You see, they're a name for communism, folks, you haven't figured it out yet. Who, again, is an elitist, complete elitist, like where the experts should run the planet, you see. And you're all faceless masses. And that's what it's all about. Anyway, uh, the socialist former prime minister of Portugal has been confirmed as the next secretary general of the United Nations. Taking over at a time when the world is rocked by terrorism. Oh my goodness! All planned again, run by again. Where else it was funded from the U.S. the terrorism across the planet, as we all well know. Reeling from the refugee crisis and struggling to resolve the war in Syria, as, as, they, as they fund as they fund ISIS and create them too. Uh, old stories, eh? Antonio Guterres, a 67-year-old former Secretary of Socialist International and head of the UN's Refugee Agency, will succeed Ban Ki-moon on January 1st. And Thursday, the UN General Assembly approved the recommendation made by the Security Council on October 5th. And it says, um, speaking 10 years to the day after his own appointment as Secretary General, he says, Secretary General-elect Guterres is well known to all of us in the hall. Well, he is to them, this private club, you see runs our, our planet on behalf of their masters. And it's a big rah-rah-rah for this this nonsense. Guterres was also in charge of bringing lots of, up and all the, the quotas of um, uh, this uh, so-called migrants. It's amazing how many different terms of have used for, for this nonsense. Eh? And you'll find that too when you're in a lot of nonsense, like just wiping out the, uh, Europe and so on. That's the intention of it, it's so all Europe, to bring in the new. And then uh, you you'll find they have different terms. They, they themselves give you different terms on what to call them to confuse you, rather than you call them what obviously it is, you see. Anyway, Guterres has said that he intends to make preventing crisis a priority. <laughs> we need a surge in diplomacy for peace, he says. Uh, <laughs> where's he going to start? Remember, it's the NATO armament group. Of course, they they are run there too from the United Nations. That's the wing. That's the military wing of the United Nations. The same ones that bomb Libya and other countries too. The international community spends much more time and resources managing crises than preventing them. Well, you see, that's because we're not in charge of our own countries. And what do you mean, the international community? Most folk in one country are as ignorant as the folk in the next country regarding this international community because we're out of the picture. We get no saying it whatsoever. But you see, you're supposed to start using these terms international community. It says that the nomination by finally winning over the Russians Who were believed to be blocking his candidacy I wonder why It's, it's amazing how russians they used to be communists It's because they knew who was running their country That's because they had experience in it, you see So <laughs> so they're trying to block him getting in Because they know exactly what he is So I'll put that up tonight too And then I've got this one too On um His wiki page, I'll put that up as well, the link And you can have a good look at that And uh, you can find his elitist policies there called Socialist And how they should run the planet and all the rest of it And how he's worked with the uh, European Union for a long, long time Don't, Don't forget that they'll all be members of the not just the Royal Institute for International Affairs, but to see the, the, the ones behind it, which created the European Institute for International Affairs for the whole of Europe, rather than have it take one country at a time and run them quietly. One big club, you see. I'll put that link up if you want to find out he's a bit of his history there. But he's, he's subservient to the bosses that rule uh, the world. Now, tonight, too, I'm going to put some links up to awfully important. Because a professor in Canada, in Toronto, uh, University of Toronto, called Jordan Peterson, has taken up the challenge to this political correctness that everyone's getting forced to, to bow down to. And as he says, how can you possibly teach if people are restricting the language and the words that you actually use? And then they're telling you to replace the words you would use with these vague or, or else ridiculous sounding names that can often, I suppose, I suppose, mean the opposite. But he's got videos up of how this all started and I'm telling you, you've got to watch them because he's pointing out what's going to, where you are right now. He's pointing out where you are. How you're already under tyranny. And believe you me, the group that's pushing this tyranny, universities, as subservient, too, to the big bosses at the top, or the globalists, big boys at the top, planned this all. And um, he talks about gender studies and all the rest of it. And how you, again, as I mentioned before, about how communism, the Bolsheviks, etc., and then communism in the USA, especially, uh, would go to every little group that had their own particular beef about whatever and network them together to get more and more numbers and so when you went on a, a demonstration, you would think, my God, there's an awful lot of folk really demanding that the, the government changes this or that. But in reality, it's all different groups that only network together for the demonstrations. But anyway, that's how you rule the world, by, by you know, demonstrating in front of governments and parliament until you get what you want. Only, in, only because the government's been tipped off, or your parliament's been tipped off. And the parliamentarians to go along with this and let them have what they want because it's the agenda. <laughs> so I'll put this up tonight. Jordan Peterson, and um, he's a clinical psychologist. And you, you gotta look at these videos, and maybe you'll start thinking for yourself. I've touched on it before too with the whole idea of democracy. Democracy, remember, is supposed to be majority vote, vote of the people. Uh, with regards to listening uh, to and uh, not persecuting minorities. But when you see that they're using really small minorities to persecute the rest and rule over you, something's happened here. It's not democracy anymore, is it? It's not. Come on, let's be honest here. But, as I say, this is a big, big, massive organization that's running the planet altogether. And it's a very old organization. Um, as I say, Lord Alfred Milner goes back to the 1800s. And even Winston Churchill in one of his speeches said that he had been ignorant of it. He didn't know what the name of it was. He knew it was existing. He knew it was manipulating government policy and even working against him at times when he was head of Britain. But And he was furious of it that, that, that literally he saw it as a subversive organization. They were using Britain at that time, as a battering ram for empire to rule the planets. And then the same body of of organization ran all the banks, the World Banks and all this at that time, because they, they created it too in the central banking systems. And they also used crisis to push globalistic solutions to the organizations which they then created, the League of Nations, and then When they call themselves the Royal of International Affairs Then they created the United Nations The World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, etc, etc This is all the same old system Using all different groups And the groups themselves often don't know The followers never know anything followers never know what they're getting used for Anyway, it says um, (laughs) This one here this is awfully good, too, because I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago about a particular central bank or banker, uh, for Greece it was. And he talked that he, he, he um, the, the, the EU bank, the central bank for the EU, kept pushing loans on Greece when it couldn't pay up the previous loans back. And he said no, so they got rid of him. And I, I put the link up before... Uh, when you hear him discussing this with Noam Chomsky <laughs> and um, but he did not mention this He's, he didn't know he, he thought that, that literally that this banking group that was under the central bank were responsible to the governments and so on he didn't realise it was a shadow group under Thomas Weiser well I'm going to put a link up tonight to, to you know, hear Thomas Weiser who is the real boss of the money system and the banking union and he's going to talk to fellow members of, guess what? The Institute for International European Affairs. Same organization. The no one elects. They drafted up the EU agreement. Who They drafted up the whole plan to merge the, the, the European countries into one. <laughs> so, so this is the character who's uh, in this non-democratic system, completing the banking union. Awfully good information is he's talking to some of his lesser, definitely lesser equals. He's not giving you all the stuff out, uh, all the cats out the bag, you might say. But uh, Wiser does talk about uh, the bail-ins, how they're, they're centralising everything for the bail-ins, etc., and what they might have to do. That goes with uh, the Bank for International Settlements, the World Bank, because that's at the top of this big organisation. And we've all signed on. If all our countries signed on, if you don't know that, last year I like think it was. And uh, for the bail if they need to do so Just to steal your money out of the bank So I'll put that up tonight too I'll put up Thomas Weiser's wiki link with, I'll tell you at least In his political career in the European Union And he's the president of the Economic and Financial Committee Of the European Union As well as the president of the Euro- Group Working Group, EWG which is an advisory body to the Eurogroup. And the EWGs isn't get elected either. <laughs> so they, they meet once a day before the Economic and Financial Affairs Council. Good name it's called. It's called ECOffin. <laughs> I guess that's where they take the money out and Council and maybe the people are trying to pay all their, their debt off. Council pre agrees all ECOFIN's decisions on Eurozone affairs and former Greek minister of finance Yanis Varoufakis claimed that Wiser holds considerable power within the Eurogroup stating he's been part of every policy and every coup that resulted in Greece's emulation and Europe's ignominity um, Sven Geigel Dem- member of the European Parliament and German Green Party has stated in his correspondence with uh, Varoufakis that Wiser is acting under the auspices of representatives of all finance ministries in the Eurozone which forms the Eurozone working group So there you go. Beautiful system, isn't it? So democratic. Most folk don't even know all these things exist. And the whole NAFTA deal was planned and and drafted up by the same group too. this private organisation. And they've got lots of articles out there. I've got stacks of them here. I've read lots on there. And also I've got more... (laughs) If if I'm not totally fed up, I might give you some more in the future. But... um, The whole idea is to integrate the whole of the Americas together, same as Europe, under this incredible system that this plunders you and plunders you and plunders you as you all have to bail out every other country that they've made part of it. Quite some, eh? And that's some. Now it's interesting to see Pierre Trudeau's son take over Canada and promote the same kind of things that his dad was pushing. Remember his dad, I think it was 1952, uh, was the head uh, for Canada for the Communist Party, young Communist Party, and he led the delegation, I believe, over to, at that time it was called the Soviet Union in Russia. But what's interesting is, uh, it's the same old thing. Anyway, the the son's come out and said, now that he's Prime Minister, that Canada has no core identity, it's it's kind of post a post-identity country or whatever, no core identity at all. And there's articles there uh, decrying the nonsense that he's come out with. But um, it's quite interesting to see both sides of everything to me. It's it's quite funny, you know. And uh, understand that people can't really tell the truth, I think, in any positions of power. I don't think it's in their nature, number one, to do so. But uh, they'll stick to, their, to their, their, their their guns, so to speak, uh, even if they're beaten, logically, in an argument. And that's why things often sound insane, from their own mouths. Rather than say, yeah, we're, we're wrong, or, you know, they'll never say that. They'll stick to their particular party line, or whatever it happens to be. Because logic must be logical. <laughs> logic cannot just be logical for, for in one phrase of their speech or talk or whatever and, and completely illogical in the next paragraph. It can't be. It's got to be continuous logic. And you've got to basically show and prove that whatever you're standing for is worth standing for. And you give the principles of why it should stand for, for that way, except why it's very hu- humane for society, and things like that. But they can't. They can't. And I think it's true what Bertrand Russell said, and Bertrand Russell worked for the world's dominators that were setting up the culture for the future that we've all gone through, right down to bringing down the population. He, he, was, he was all part of the agenda for that, to destruction of marriage, all these things for the West. But he did say that people uh, are not logical, and you can do more, with a brass band and flag waving, to get people to go along with you, than you can with trying to talk to them using facts and so on. That part's true, and he didn't create that idea. Of course, he simply is a good guy for copying a lot of stuff, and he got a lot of promotion through the media. But that's what you'll find that uh, that is very true when it comes out of the mouths of these people, which tells you too that they're not they're not the people who who lead the country. Uh, in fact, most of them don't even know. If, if, I've talked so many times about all the different uh, names, these organizations that run the planet and, uh, and all the different NGOs that work on their behalf, and get government funding. and I guarantee you uh, that there's not a leader in the world who knows a fraction of these names. It's all done. It's, it is outside of government to an extent, although the, the government will sign automatically um, funding uh, for them. And that's how, uh, what they call today, democracy works. It's nothing to do with uh, what the, the people want, nothing. It hasn't been that way for an awful long time, what the people want. Isn't a fact, eh? But as I say, you know, it'd be interesting to see, it doesn't really bother me at all, uh, politics and, and who gets in, who doesn't get in, et cetera, Because, as I say, uh, Whoever gets in is run by the same people behind the scenes. If you think that well over a hundred years of planning and altering the world along from one group in, in an agenda, and I've got a lot, given a lot of the history of this one group and agenda, do you think they're going to turn back and say, "Oh well, we we, we got beat fair and square because they voted in so and so"? Do you think that they'd stop? And just give up and go home? Do you really think that? Of course they wouldn't. You're dealing with people who plan wars in advance. Remember the, the, the part of their group called the Peanut Group. That was only one little part of it for the U.S. But they had all the list of countries to be taken out, and they published it uh, before nine eleven happened. You remember these things if you want to understand how you're ruled. The big difference between, between being ruled and governed. Governed in a democracy or democratic sense means you've given consent. How many of you have given consent to a world government? How many of you gave consent to giving away your sovereignty, personal sovereignty? To a world habitat, whatever it happens to be, uh, which is going, going to ensure that you have no real rights of property in Agenda 21. It's all written in there. Everything has got a caveat with permission of the government. You might do this, you might mow your lawn, you might blah, blah, blah. But eventually you have no property rights whatsoever. That's all to be banned. And eventually you'll be lucky to get enough heat to heat yourself and keep alive in the winter if you're on a bottom list down near the bottom. I'm not kidding folks. I'm not kidding. Well from myself from Ontario, Canada, where at night it's below freezing already, has been for the last week or two. It's good night. I mean your God or your gods go with you.